1: Greetings. Hey, thanks for being here uh, with me. It's Damian Mason. You are tuned into the Business of Agriculture podcast. You already knew that. You heard it in the introduction. Got a great show for you today. Got a New Zealander. That's right, a Kiwi. We are talking about indoor agriculture and the future of indoor agriculture and everything you ever wanted to know about indoor agriculture with a guy from down under in New Zealand. Before we get into that, a reminder that the Business of Agriculture has gone video. That's right. Starting in January of 2020, we started going on video. So if you only listen to this, please Please consider going on YouTube and find the Damian Mason channel. It's D Mason comedy hit subscribe. It'll help my visibility. And also you can watch this and you can see handsome guys from New Zealand. Like this fellow that's coming up next, this podcast as so many, so so many prior to it is brought to you by the good people of harvest profit. Harvest profit is a Fargo, North Dakota based company, but it doesn't matter where they are because it only matters where you are. You can utilize their product as a software solution to make your agricultural enterprise more profitable, manage the inflows, the outflows, Everything that happens on the business side of your business needs an effective and practical software solution. Harvestprofit.com. Okay, Darren Keeler is his name. He is a co-founder and co-owner of a company called AutoGrow, an indoor agricultural company. Here he is. Thanks for being on the business of
0: agriculture. Hi, Damien.
1: Great to meet you. Okay, Uh, answer me this. What does AutoGrow do? from the very beginning. Okay, you're in New Zealand, doesn't matter, you've got customers all over the world, doing what?
0: Sure, so how the company started off was doing uh, automation for greenhouses. So basically controlling climates, controlling irrigation, nutrient feed to the plant, those, those types of things. And, and it was really around trying to create affordable technologies for small to medium growers. Uh, and that's why the company's products got taken up all around the world. Um, because a lot of the existing tech tech in the in the industry came from the Europe and it was expensive uh, so that was kind of how the company started and then around four five years ago when I got involved uh, I shifted the company in a different direction. so a lot of what we do now is focused around uh, how we apply data, um, smart sensors, artificial intelligence and software um, and my background was in technology so that was kind of the the reason why we Kind of pivoted the business towards you know new state of the art technology for the industry. So you're not an ag guy, you're a tech guy. Uh, yeah, I'm a tech
1: so, guy. Yeah, you're, you're mm-hmm. a tech guy. And uh, they uh, they they were doing this before you joined the company, right? They were doing. They this- were. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's start at the beginning. Uh, I've got everybody, I got Canadians, I got Americans. I hope I have some Australians and some New Zealand people listening to this podcast. All right, they, they go out and they plant crops. Uh, they ranch, uh, they have hog facilities, but I don't know that they are indoor agriculture people, but maybe they are. Tell me about indoor agriculture. Um, I know there's greenhouses, I know we've got uh, tomatoes, but it's more than just that, right? We got vertical farming, we got stuff in the urban centers. Tell me about
0: it. Yeah, sure. So the largest part of controlled environment farming is still greenhouse production, and it's still the area that's getting the most investment. Uh, so like you were saying, tomatoes, in fact, you know, if you go into a U.S. Uh, supermarket like a Kroger or a Walmart, you know, or you'll, get, you'll get a tomato that was grown in a greenhouse most of the time. Uh, so it's the predominant way that tomatoes get get produced all around the world, and that's because you can produce them all year round. Year round, right? I think one of the key points of difference with indoor farming, regardless of what form it takes, is that you're able to grow all year round, regardless of what's happening with the weather and the climate. So, so I think that's probably one of the big the big things about it.
1: Yeah. So let's let's go ahead with that. Uh, the role of indoor agriculture was one of the questions I sent you. Um, yeah. All right, I know that we can grow the crap out of uh, avocados in, uh, in, in Mexico and that's probably going to be the way, so maybe sure. we're not going to grow avocados because they're a tree and you're not going to do that indoors, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can grow indoors from carrots, everything that's in the salad bar, pretty much,
0: right? Yeah, pretty much. Fruits, vegetables, anything that's fresh produce, you can grow it indoors in one form or another. Now, the, the main thing that's driving all this is reducing the carbon footprint, so essentially at the moment, if you're importing from Mexico or you're importing from Canada uh, fresh produce, you're having to transport it. So that's basically driving carbon miles. Um, and one of the big shifts in farming is towards more sustainable production. So basically, how do you you know, impact less on, on the ecology? Um, and you do that by growing locally. So that's one of the big things that's happening. Yeah.
1: So I've read a couple of articles about this and, uh, you know, I I try to be very open-minded about uh, agriculture and and all its forms. And so, I'm in Northern Indiana half the year on my farm. That's uh, uh, doesn't mean much to probably somebody in New Zealand, but I'm a long way from the Mexican border. And I know that we get some produce during the winter time that comes from Mexico. So we're talking, you know, 2,500 miles, 3000 miles, whatever. Yeah. And I know that you can haul a lot of produce on a semi or maybe even put it on a train, but there's still, as you said, is a hell of a lot of transportation costs as well as expense. Uh, I'm sorry, um, expelling of carbon through the the trucking and all that. But, does it pencil out still? Does it pencil out for me to have, do do I build a greenhouse out here to produce the stuff that Mexico's producing? Does it make sense?
0: It can make sense as long as you take the right approach to it. So, you know, I guess any form of farming, regardless of whether it's outdoor or indoor, you have to really understand what you're doing with with the farm as a business. And I think that's another thing that we've observed, Um, you know, talking to, I talk to farmers and growers all around the world all the time. and, you know, it's very apparent that, that while the majority of them are very good farmers, they're not necessarily the best business people. So there's, you know, there's, and, and the way things are now, you have to really understand your numbers. And I think if people have a really good business plan for their farm, and the first thing is who are they going to sell to? So basically, you know, a lot of people set up farming operations without having established who they're actually going to sell the produce to. They get just too excited about the fact that they're, they're growing something. Um, And then kind of forget about the commercial part. Um, So, you know, we always start with, you know, what's the opportunity in the local market? Is it because you can supply something to the local restaurants or the local supermarket or the local um, farmer's market? Um, You know, work out where the gaps are and then look at what you want to produce and how you want to produce it. So those are the types of conversations we, we have.
1: Uh, by the way, and, and, uh, it's probably offensive to some, but, uh, my listeners have heard it before that, you know, that's why we call it the business of agriculture. And that's why I speak about the business of agriculture. We, uh, and this is true in New Zealand or it's true in the United States or every other country in between what farmers love to do and ranchers love to do is produce. They love to produce. They are good at producing. We produce so much. We have surpluses of stuff It's yes. all, you know, until, until 100 years ago. There was no such thing as a surplus in food and we have it now. Um, but there's always the business side of it. When you talk about the business side of it, you know one of the things I said was, "What problem does indoor agriculture solve?" You talk about mostly it solves the transportation and/or carbon
0: footprint issue, and is that the big problem? That's some- one of the things, but it, it's multifaceted. So another, uh, you know, key strength for indoor farming is it's way more efficient. So it's a much more sustainable form of farming production. Uh, you're using up to 95 percent less water, for example. Uh, than you would in soil, so you can grow a lettuce or a tomato, you know any fresh produce using less water because you 're controlling the way the water is getting to the to the plant okay. Uh, but that's a big big point of difference
1: okay well. so we've got the carbon footprint on the transportation then we've got the utilization of resources we're so much more efficient if we are doing it in uh in a, in a greenhouse or vertical or whatever and we'll talk about those yeah. other styles here in a minute and then the third thing of course is availability now it really does make it so i was made to crack uh and i don't have any idea if you even know where cleveland ohio is but that's a Okay. Yes. So I made to crack uh, all these people in the United States. I'm sure it's the same in New Zealand, eat local, eat local, eat local, eat local became this big rally cry the last 10 years. Oh. I'm saving the world by eating local. So you got your happy little uh, Toyota Prius driver that goes to the farmer's market and believes that they're saving the world because they eat local, eat local. I'm like, that's a cute idea until you're craving a chocolate dipped banana in Cleveland in February. Uh, So uh, the reality is then that part of indoor agriculture, it's probably not gonna handle the cocoa or nor the banana, but you can do stuff year round. So those are the three problems it solves, uh, transportation and slash uh, carbon footprint, availability and utilization of resources on a much more efficient level and then availability during the winter.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of other things I'll I'll mention. Another one is, uh, you know, the actual output from an indoor farm is much higher. So it's really about crop density. I mean, you're growing more volume of crop in a smaller physical footprint. Um, And that's another reason why you're seeing these um, innovators pop up around cities. So if you look at Gotham Greens that came out of Brooklyn, uh, you know, you have a look at, which is green, you know, greenhouses on rooftops of buildings. Uh, If you have a look at, um, you know, bright farms, you know, there's a whole bunch of these innovators that are springing up. And a lot of it's about proximity to market and reducing the carbon footprint and all those things. But it's also about, um, you know, being able to produce high volume of crops that are fresh. And that's another thing is it's, it's, you're reducing the time between, where it's grown and when it's grown and when it gets into the, you know, onto the on on the plate of the consumer, um, down to literally down to a day, yeah. rather than you know a week if it's yeah. been transported over distance.
1: Now wait a uh, minute, I, I want to bring yeah. up something though. You talked about the density issue. Now you realize when we do that with chickens, pigs, or cows, we call we are called factory farmers and yeah. confined animal feeding right. operations, and it's evil. But when you do that with lettuce, it's okay. Yeah, pretty much, that's what it is. Okay, you know. um, tell me about some of the projects. Okay, first off, you know, my listeners might be a John Deere salesperson in in Nebraska, or they might be a cranberry producer in Massachusetts, they might be in the, in the produce business in California, they might be a soybean farmer in Iowa. So I got all kinds of people here. And what I always like to do is bring them a little picture of other things that they probably heard about, but they maybe need to learn a little bit more about it okay. Interesting projects. You talked about a rooftop thing. Is it viable? Okay. I've got a tenement building in Brooklyn. Uh, is a build is a greenhouse on top of that roof going to be viable?
0: Again, it depends on how much thought you put into the, to the business plan. You know, I mean, Viraj, who was the founder of, uh, Gotham Greens, you know, they had to navigate a lot when they first started about 12 years ago. Right. So the first challenge they had was they had to get through the bureaucracy of, of the local city in order to put a, a greenhouse on a rooftop. And so a lot of these guys have been the pioneers and it's led to, you know, cities and counties doing legislative changes to enable these guys to actually set up. So those pioneers have already kind of dealt with a lot of the really difficult issues already. Um, and you know they're also now partnered with companies like Whole Foods and Walmart and so on. So they're trying to you know integrate more closely so the integration, the, right?
1: So now they've got their yeah, customer the
0: They
1: got somewhere to go with the yeah, product. That's really
0: important. I mean, if you don't have that, I would say you don't do it. Do not try and do one of these high tech farms if you haven't got the partnership with the uh, buyers. You are going to suffer a lot of pain. You know, mm-hmm. so that that's 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 the prerequisite. You've got to have your customer.
1: Right. Okay. So... Uh, You said something and and I want to talk about, we got a lot of stuff to cover, but uh, before we do that, I want to remind our listeners that you are listening to the business of agriculture podcast, which is brought to you by Harvest Profit. Harvest Profit is a software solution for farmers, ranchers, agricultural enterprises. If you know uh, someone that needs a, a, a handle on to get a handle on their business, if they need some way to manage their inflows and their outflows and all the inventory and the marketing and the selling, everything that happens on an agricultural enterprise, harvestprofit.com, free 14-day trial. Go there, check it out. And my man, Nick Horb, the founder of the company, will make it worth your while. Tell him Damien sent you. All right, so I'm talking to Darren Keeler, a New Zealand guy, a technology guy with AutoGrow. Tell me about, and tell our listeners about the types of indoor agriculture because I think of a greenhouse and then I've seen vertical yeah. stuff. And then I've seen where they go in or some pioneers are going into an abandoned urban facility which we're gonna have crap loads of that. Uh, I'm thinking yeah. uh, your nearest JCPenney, your nearest Sears at the mall. We got all kinds of empty buildings now in the era of online commerce. Are they gonna become farms?
0: So they might do. I mean, there's there's a lot of innovators looking at how they re- utilize existing spaces. Although in practice, what they find is that actually repurposing an existing shell is actually so expensive, it's counter to the economics of setting up an indoor farm. So if I give you an example, um, Plenty, who are based in San Francisco. So Plenty is an indoor vertical farming innovation uh, company, Uh, they basically have raised hundreds of millions of dollars of capital uh, to try and look at ways of producing all manner of fresh produce indoors under lights when they started, they started off with repurposing a warehouse, but the, the cost of doing that uh, was so expensive for them. So they, you know, the view from Matt, who's the co-founder, was that it was better for them to do new build uh, buildings. So it's, it's interesting. At it, it, it first pass, it, it, it seems to make sense to repurpose existing facilities, but in practice, the amount of re-engineering that has to be done it, it makes it cost prohibitive. So to be honest, you're better off just to build a new purpose-built yeah. facility. No.
1: Yeah. That means that you can't sell the green story as much. If you could tell the green story of saying, I just took over uh, Westgate Plaza mall uh, because, you know, ain't nobody going to the mall anymore. And I made it into an urban farm. That's a great little green story. Everybody's going to love it. And then you say, oh, and then we let people yeah. come in and walk around and, and breathe, the green, breathe the oxygen that the plants are producing and all that. But it's not really uh, happening. I mean, you're getting my opinion.
0: My opinion is it won't work. Well, guess what?
1: Uh, you you're closer to it than me, and uh, we, we don't mind we don't mind your opinion. You're the most opinionated New Zealander that's ever been on the business of agriculture. <laughs> okay, Darren, tell me about this. Um, the technology. Uh, first off, the production styles. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know about a greenhouse. I can I can right. understand that. Tell me about the greenhouses.
0: That. Yeah, greenhouses come in different uh, kind of levels of technology. So the way we describe them in the industry is you can have a a low tech greenhouse, which basically is what we call a polyhouse. So plastics. So basically, you know, you're essentially what you're doing is you're just sheltering the plant from extremes of rain, wind, hail, you know, any of those environmental things. So that's a low tech uh, greenhouse. you go into a mid tech greenhouse. Now you're trying to control the atmosphere more. So you're putting in venting, heating, you know, you're trying to do more to control how you're nurturing the plant, how you're trying to, you know, get the most, Yield out of it. Uh, When you go into high tech greenhouses, you've got all the toys. You know, you've got lighting, uh, you've got robotics, you've got sensors all over the place measuring light, temperature, humidity, uh, and you've got a lot less labor because a lot more of what's going on is being automated inside the farm. So that's greenhouses come in different in a hierarchy, I guess, of approaches. Um, Then you've got indoor vertical farming. Um, So you've got you know, as you say, you repurpose buildings, greenhouses on rooftops, shipping containers. So one of the popular, but now these do work. Now, when they were first done, they didn't work very well. But I would say that the technology's advanced in the last five or six years. So um, freight farms who are based out of uh, Boston, uh, they, they have been quite successful. And their first system was called the Leafy Green Machine. Um, and so literally it's a, you know, 40 foot or 60 foot shipping container repurposes an indoor farm and they grow leafy greens, micro greens, that those types of products.
1: So is this the kind of thing that you're saying that someone's going to put in their backyard? Uh, I'm going to get a shipping container and I'm going to... You
0: will put it in a car park outside a restaurant. You'll put it in the backyard and you'll service the local, uh, you know, uh, you know, food stores, you know, anyone who you've lined up to consume that, that produce. The, yeah. This stuff yeah. to me is very smart. So that plays to your local, you know, your local production. Uh, you're not having to invest. You're having to invest somewhere between about sort of 70 to 100,000 US dollars. Um, but it comes with everything. Right. already built to the system.
1: And then and, and, and 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 you're growing, what are you growing in there?
0: Lettuce? Uh, you're growing lettuces, you're growing herbs, or herbs, as you would say in the US. Yes. Uh, and microgreens. I I
1: should point out dear listener or viewer a little bit ago, Darren said the word car park. That is New Zealand talk for parking lot. Okay. this style of ag. When I, one of my questions was, where can this style of ag move into? And you just said it. So it could be the backyard person. Of course, the backyard person, a hundred thousand dollars is a hell of a, a bit of thing versus just having a garden or even throwing up yeah. a little uh, a little greenhouse. I can throw up a little greenhouse out here, uh, outside of my barn for a few thousand bucks. So yeah. where does it move? Where's it? Who who has these? Who's going? To, where do you see indoor agriculture? You see it growing?
0: Expanding. Oh, it's growing hugely. I mean, if you have a look at all of the. Um, uh, all the indoor innovation basically sprung out of the northeast of the U.S. and, and, and the eastern seaboard of Canada uh, around about 12 years ago. So most of the innovation with growing indoors under lights came came out of that part of the world. And then now what it's doing is it's popping up in Europe, the UK, Asia. They're all trying to replicate and improve on those, those systems. Uh, and that's a great thing with the U.S. The U.S. has always been a country of innovators. Uh, and always, you know, pushing the boundaries of what's what's possible. Um, the type of market data that's out there, they're expecting the uh, uh, high-tech farming sector, the indoor farming sector, to grow to about forty billion and uh, and you know scale in terms of consumption of technology uh, over the next few years. So it's it's a very material sector yeah. of farming. You think it's, it's just not well that. understood. You said $40 billion of what? $40 billion of, of... Of technology consumption. So people investing in, okay. you, know, you know, if I take App Harvest. So App Harvest has been built in Kentucky. So in Kentucky, which which I would love to visit because I love bourbon, um, is, is the, you know, they're building a 60-acre state-of-the-art greenhouse. I think it's the first one of its type in Kentucky. Um, the company that's operating it's called App Harvest. You can look them up, um, and they're going to be producing tomatoes, uh, peppers, and cucumbers, which are the typical uh, crops for greenhouse production. But sixty acres so, is, is sixty football fields. That's what that that, that, that that
1: they're you're saying they're not the they're, they're not the technology company like you. They're actually the producer.
0: Yeah. They're actually creating the farm and they're going to produce the crops and sell them in the market. Okay. And are
1: they using your stuff? Are they using auto? No, they're
0: not, but they're, but they're, they're, I know the investors that are funding the farm.
1: Okay. Uh, and Yeah.
0: And eventually- an felt, example of what's going on.
1: And we got to talk about your product here in a minute, but uh, before we do, I also need to point out another thing to my listeners. Did you notice he said he said very positive things about uh, America and the United States of America and how we are innovative. I think he's trying to make sure that we don't run over and bomb New Zealand. I don't know. I'm just thinking that's what he's doing. But uh, all right, more importantly, Darren, auto grow. All right, so yes. I decide I want to build uh, one of these. And it, real quickly, explain vertical uh,
0: farming. Sure, so vertical farming is any system that literally has layered uh, growing systems. So it can either be layered in terms of trays uh, on top of each other, you know, and you've got lighting layers on each level. Um, that's a typical description of what a vertical farm, as opposed to an urban farm, and not to be confusing, but an urban farm could be a greenhouse, uh, so it's not vertical. Okay. If it's vertical, it's literally stacking the growing environment inside the farm.
1: And you obviously can't do that. a greenhouse, you don't need lights necessarily. You could just use outdoor light uh, because it
0: comes through. Well, yeah, in a greenhouse, you're you're optimizing by using natural light Uh because it's free. So basically you try to do that and then you use supplemental lighting, uh, which we encourage growers to do. So you know that way you're going to get light all year round, um, but you can't do that with vertical because you got stuff on top of each other. And so,
1: is vertical? Where, where's the growth? Where, you talked about this growing as an industry. Where's the growth everywhere?
0: So it's it's in every category of controlled environment agriculture. Um, you know the the if we look at actual dollars being invested, it's still in greenhouse production. So you know in terms of billions of dollars of investment, it's all going into greenhouses. Uh, high tech greenhouses. I, I should I should add. Uh, whereas where a lot of the venture capital money is going is going into the new urban vertical systems, okay. and that's okay. why you know I would not encourage any who who doesn't have the backing of professional investors to get into urban vertical farming. It's a high risk category. You know, if you want to if you want to go into something that has got less risk, then get into greenhouses.
1: Well, the other thing is, yes, the articles I have read were all about that very thing, Darren, was that Silicon Valley money is chasing this because they see it as a tech play and a food play and an environmentalism play, and they can tell that story or sell that story. So yes, that's the the articles I've read. Uh, They're not people like Damian Mason money, they're people with a, a lot bigger money than that that are out here doing these things. Um, okay, next question for you. What does autogrow okay, I want to do this. I want to and you said early on that the one of the founding principles of your company was that we were doing stuff um for smaller meaning it doesn't have to be 60 acres in Kentucky. It can be a smaller operation. So let's say Damien Mason and his wife, Lori, want to expand our little agricultural enterprise. And we're going to do some sort of uh, indoor agriculture. What do I need? I know I need a customer. You've already explained that. I know I need a business plan, which I disagree with you. I, I've never had a business plan for any of my business ventures. Uh, business plans, I always say, you need one to borrow money. You do not need one to make money. The banker wants a business plan, but you know what? Bankers lack creativity. That's what. Hell, getting a drive-through was a big, exciting thing for bankers. Okay. Now I need a customer. I need uh, some knowledge,
0: but what do I need from you? Right. So what we do, we have two companies, actually, we have Autogrow and we have farm road. So with Autogrow, grow, uh, you basically want to automate what's happening on the farm. So the whole, the whole point of what Autogrow does is around creating efficiency in the way that the farm operates by automating, you know, the irrigating of the crop, the feeding of the crop and the control of the environment the crop is growing in. So we basically produce physical technologies uh, that control the way the farm works, but that's essentially what Auto Grown does. Okay. Um, and then we have a bunch of products on top of that, that do things like analyze the environment and provide information, uh, to the farmer so that he knows what's going on.
1: And I remember the there might be somebody listening to this that is an ag banker that's saying, Damien Mason, you SOB call you know, picking on us bankers. But that banker might be saying, Hey, somebody I know wants to in, uh, put up one of these, uh, you know, indoor agricultural facilities specifically when you talk about the indoor uh, environment, because most yeah. people wouldn't think about this. You, you have, technology that controls the lighting for instance because i say okay i need exactly 12 hours and seven minutes we know is optimal to because somebody probably knows this to produce carrots the best growing conditions are it's 76 degrees and it's 61 percent humidity and there's 12 hours and seven minutes of daylight is that what kind of crap
0: i'm hearing that's you're right on it that's exactly what we do so we, we have sensors that are constantly monitoring all of those parameters. And then mm-hmm. where the systems, the algorithms, the software basically automates the management of that environment. So if the things get too hot, then you know, we kick on you know, something to cool down the environment or it could be opening the vents to cool it down. Yep. So there's lots of different levers you can pull, but you know, essentially we automate that process for the farmer. Are you
1: the person that knows this? Or uh, you know, I wanna grow uh, asparagus. Uh, I want to grow, I don't know, arugula, whatever. Somewhere,
0: somebody yep. knows the exact perfect conditions, right? Sure. And I mean, look, I've got a fantastic team of people. I mean, like we said earlier, I'm the technologist, I'm not the farmer. So, you know, in, inside my business, I've got, a, I've got a head of crop sciences. Uh, you know, he understands everything about the way the biology and physiology of crops work. I've got people who have worked as growers um, and, we, and we spend a lot of time, you know, directly interacting with our growers and our farmers. So we, we you know, learn a lot all the time uh, from, from our customers. Yeah. Being, being honest, I know you're in
1: this space, meaning you, your business is dependent on indoor agriculture. You've told me it's sure. growing. I, I've, I have read that it is too. Um, you have told me that it's expanding and I've heard that too. And I've seen the Silicon Valley money going into this. What's the drawback? Why you know things work pretty well. We got we got plenty of vegetables as it is. Um, I know you've given me the reasons what the problem it solves. Does it create any problems? Is there anything wrong with indoor agriculture?
0: No, there's nothing wrong with indoor agriculture. I mean, I think it's just that it's a highly technical uh, form of growing uh, of farming, and so you can't you can't enter it. Um, you know, naively, you have to educate yourself on the way that it works. It's it's very different than running, you know, a soil-based farming system, you know, because everything we do is, by the way, that's another key point. Everything we do is soilless. It's either hydroponic or it's using artificial media uh, because that's more efficient. Um, and so okay, just it's, so it's I know, very different form of I know what hydroponic
1: is. For somebody that doesn't know, explain, okay, you got your basic is you go out and plant something in the backyard. And then the next level is we've got a uh, greenhouse, but now you're saying that the systems that you work with that you mm-hmm. sell, of course you don't do, you, tell me what, what you mean by all that. Okay. Uh, hydroponic means it's just has water. It's, it's roots. Yeah. Gold. Yeah.
0: So you've got, I mean, a, a basic system is what they call NFT nutrient film technique. So it's basically a tray mm-hmm. and the root system is sitting in the tray yeah. and, and bugs plugs mm-hmm. sit in the tray. And the water runs along the bottom with nutrients in it, and then it absorbs the water and the nutrients up through the root system into the plant. Right? But it's it's water. There's yep. no soil. So that's one method. And then another method is using a substrate, which is like an artificial media that the root system embeds itself into. The water runs through that. Mm-hmm. So those and that is where everybody in controlled environment farming is moving. Yeah. And also, it's where all the berry growers are moving. So basically, all the strawberry, blueberry, blackberry, all the berry growers are moving under polytunnels you know, to try and provide some extension to the season through protecting from the climate. And, yes. and they're controlling the way they irrigate and feed the, the crops. And they're getting bigger yields, better quality berries. Um, I mean, we've got a grower who's you know, earning three times the market because he's using these methods. Rather than growing in soil.
1: Okay, I'm gonna give you this, and don't you tell me how you respond. It's not natural.
0: <laughs> it's not natural, right? It's not natural. And of course, I will tell well, you what I would say, Derek. I would, I would debate that and say that water is natural, right? I mean, you know, it's just as natural as soil. Sure. It's now, just, what about? It's just, it's just a different way of growing.
1: You mm-hmm. know. Okay, and then what about the uh, the fact that I need this uh, million dollars worth of auto grow equipment over here to keep it at seventy one? You don't need a million dollars
0: worth of auto grow equipment. I mean, we we you know farmers can start if you want to start off with a very small, uh, like if you just want to control the way you're irrigating and feeding the plant, you can do that for like a thousand bucks, right? It's How like you can get- start off? Like we have these two small devices that are like five hundred US dollars each. Oh, okay, right. And that, in that way, you can control your your nutrient feed and your your irrigation. I'm giving uh, you
1: I'm giving you a hard time, by the way. I, yeah, I know you are, but I, it's fine. I, uh, I'm
0: just going to keep, you know. Remember, Baron, that agriculture
1: from its very existence is not natural. Natural is you and I are wearing loincloths and we're running around with sticks trying to uh, kill a woolly mammoth. And then after we kill the damn thing, we got to eat as much as we can immediately because it's going to rot tomorrow. So that's what's natural. Natural uh, is your life expectancy is about 31 So, no, I'm okay with agriculture because none of it's natural. Um, What about taste? You know, I I, I love tomatoes when they come out of the garden
0: because they smell and they taste like the earth. We do give up a little bit of taste with uh, indoor systems, don't we? You do. You do. And that's true. I mean, I think the industry is working very hard to correct that though. And by the industry, I mean, not just the growers, but also the seed companies that provide the genetics. So, if you look at, you know, Bayer, Syngenta, Corteva, you know, Johnny's, Seeds in the U.S. Yeah. You know they're trying. They're trying to um, alter the genetics of the seeds to try and make them more flavoursome. So you know, when they grow and controlled environment. Fl-
1: Flavor has been the uh, the issue of production agriculture for a lot of things, and it has nothing to do with indoor. I mean, frankly, yeah. we grew a lot of crops, uh, you know, in the traditional sense. Okay, I'm talking to Darren Keeler. Uh, I'm going to let him go because it's tomorrow in New Zealand, and he's got to get to work. It's the end of the day for me. In case you haven't noticed, I've been yawning over here. I'm kind of worn out. I worked really hard today. So I'm going to let him go so we can start his day. Uh, he said he wants to come to Kentucky, which I think he should. My farm, the De La Rosa, that's what this logo is right here, uh, is a three hours drive north of uh, Louisville. So uh, if you come to Kentucky, uh, enjoy yourself, look at all the indoor air culture, drink bourbon, and then you can uh, come up here and, and see us at the De La Rosa Farms. Hey, sounds great, right, I mean. What else do we need to know? Auto-Grow, if I wanna be in the indoor agriculture business, I need your company, right? Because why fool with it if I'm not gonna have the correct humidity and temperature and water flow and everything else that I need, I need Auto-Grow to help me have a productive indoor agricultural system, right?
0: Yeah, if you're running a small to medium farm, so anything up to maybe around 10 acres, one to ten acres, somewhere in that range. the roof, anything from one to 10 yeah, like in a greenhouse, or so you might be running a tunnel farm, uh, doing berry production. Uh, then yeah, give us a call. Um, and then- we've got I've got people on the ground in the US, so I've got a team in California. Uh, I've got a business development manager uh, based in Illinois uh, who runs the East Coast. So uh, yeah, just grab get hold of us either on our website or Facebook, LinkedIn. We're, we're, we're on all the media, social media. and It's called channels.
1: auto grow, auto grow, all one word, auto grow. And, and it's uh spell as you might think, dear listeners and viewers. So the thing is you said one to 10 acres, uh, is that, is that really how sm- I mean, I'm thinking about some indoor agriculture that wouldn't even cover one acre. Is that not accurate?
0: Half an acre is not uncommon. Like if you're a local grower, mm-hmm. um, you know, you'll lay down one, uh, you know, poly house. Uh, that's where most people start. Yeah.
1: Okay, and then lastly, how's Autogrow doing? You're in the US, you're in New Zealand, you're in Europe, you're in Asia? Yes. Okay, yep. how, how are you doing?
0: I mean, we've been doing really well over the last four years. Um, you know, we, we've been growing at around 20, 25% a year. Um, the challenge at the moment, obviously in this the, the COVID world, yeah, yeah, uh, is that you know we've we've seen that there's a lot of challenges still in the US, um, so you know we're having to navigate navigate that. But the overall thing is that that you know the pandemic has made transparent a lot of challenges in the food system, uh, and you know in, in farming. Um, so for the most part, that's actually playing towards companies like ours uh, because the grow the operators of the farms have to work out how to automate more of what they're doing. Um, and then but at a a market level the US is quite challenging at the moment whereas in Asia we're seeing a lot of growth um, outside of China I should I should say uh, and in Europe as well Um, and it really just comes down to how well each country or each state in the case of the US is managing um, the pandemic um, as, as to how that's reflecting on business in general in, the, in that state. So you're gonna
1: keep growing because indoor agriculture is actually, it's a, it's a popular thing, it's a trendy thing. It might level yeah. off, I assume that it will. I um, mean, we've seen things come and go before. Uh, I'm not being a naysayer. Yeah, I, I
0: don't think indoor farming is gonna level off for like 20 years. I mean, I think this thing's gonna keep going like a freight train, That's that's my view. That's fantastic.
1: I hope it does. He's the CEO of Autogrow. Check him out. It's an interesting story. I went to their website preparing for this podcast. And I just like learning about it and different things because it's pretty different to me and and uh, you know, and the way I've seen agriculture from a dairy farm background and whatnot. Check him out. His name's Darren Keeler. Uh He's saying uh, he's saying it's going to keep going like a freight train. He also said positive things about the United States, and he and he says tomato. I say tomato. He says tomato. Uh, my first guest from New Zealand. You're listening to the Business of Agriculture podcast. This one, as so many before it, we're brought to you by HarvestProfit.com. Check them out. Harvest Profit is thecompany.com is the website, of course. And it's a software solution for your agricultural enterprise. You probably need this to make your agricultural enterprise the business that it can be. Check out
0: harvestprova.com. Darren, you make me want Thank to come you. to New Zealand, brother. Well, you're welcome. You know, as soon as the borders open- I don't say, I board. don't think we're allowed to. I don't think your country's allowing anybody in. We're not, we're not. Everybody's, everybody has the quarantine. I don't think they're letting in anybody who's not a citizen at the moment. But um, I think that's true. I, I don't believe I can get into the U.S. either. So until the situation resolves itself a little bit more. Well, when, uh, you when start- it does... When you come, you have an open
1: invitation to my farm, De La Rosa Farms in Northeastern Indiana, probably not too far from your Illinois guy because that's the next state to the West and Kentucky's the next state to the South. So by golly, you can just do a little trifecta of the states right here. Hey, till next time, I'm out of here. Thanks a lot for being on, Darren. Sounds great. Thanks, Damian. Thanks for listening. Thanks for viewing. It's The Business of Agriculture.
0: If you've enjoyed this episode of The Business of Agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear or Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com.